Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. High schoolers in California have been organizing in recent years to give 16 and 17-year-olds the right to vote in local school board elections. These young people are motivated to get students more involved in civics at a younger age and to give students more of a say in their schools and districts. Because, you know, the school board's decisions have a direct impact on our education, our experiences, our daily lives. Measures were approved in two Bay Area cities, one in 2016 and one in 2020. What has happened in the years since they passed? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stavely. When Ishelle Arista was in ninth grade, she didn't know much about civic engagement. Like, I didn't know what the school board was. I was like, eh, what is that? I don't know. What's the mayor? What's anything, you know? I just kept my head down. I was like, okay, the teacher makes the rules. The adults are in charge, blah, blah, blah. I just passed my classes, whatever. But then Ishelle joined a program working to get young people involved in improving the schools. We took a survey, just basically asking students what they needed in schools, what was not working. And these issues have been around for a very, for like generations. Like young people have been showing up to school board meetings, you know, talking about like trying to make our schools cleaner, trying to make our schools give us healthier food, trying to make our schools have curriculums that, you know, center us and interest us and engage us. But when the students started thinking about how to make these things happen, they weren't sure there was anyone who would listen to them. The year before, teachers in Oakland had gone on strike for better wages and working conditions, smaller class sizes. Ishelle remembered that lots of students and families had gone to school board meetings then. People were like, you know, showing up in mass to school board meetings, sobbing, pouring their hearts out about what needed to change, why this is important. And the school board was like, okay, you know, but there was like, They can hear you, they might empathize, but there's nothing to really hold them accountable to make these changes. Like they could at the end of the day, just like turn you down, which is what they did a lot of the times and what they've been doing for so long. So Ishelle and her peers decided they wanted to hold the school board accountable themselves. They decided to enact their own real life civics lesson by fighting for 16 and 17 year olds to have the right to vote in Oakland school board elections. This is our space. It's not just their space. We students are the main population and beneficiaries of things that go down in schools. And it only makes sense that we have a say in what happens and how, you know, curriculum is carried out. This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, teens fight for the right to vote for the school board. For Ishelle, the idea of expanding voting rights, even if only for the school board, to 16 and 17-year-olds, made sense. It also meant expanding democracy. She knew personally that many people who live in Oakland and other parts of the U.S. can't vote. Especially just, you know, being a daughter of an immigrant who's until recently been undocumented for a long time and just like knowing that there are so many people in Oakland who didn't have this right, this voice, and that opening it up to young people in schools and OUSD and public schools in Oakland would just expand democracy, which is, you know, what this country claims to want to do. So the students circulated petitions. They went door to door in every neighborhood of the city, 
They collected endorsements and raised money for advertising. They handed out lawn signs, did email blasts, social media campaigns, and phone banking. Whenever we could, we would hold like actions and events at our schools to like draw young people in and tell them like, yo, this is an issue that's impacting all of us. Um, And just trying to share the word to as many people as possible. Like when I got into this, like every person I interacted with, my family, my friends, I would, it would be brought up. I'd be like, did you know this and this and this and that? And like, I'm involved in this and, you know, share our stories, share the reasons why we're interested, why we're passionate, why we care. Um, and like the benefits of people voting at a younger age. And in the fall 2020 election, it was put to a vote as Measure QQ. This was during the pandemic, so all the organizers were watching the election results from their own homes. But as soon as they started seeing the results... We were just texting each other. We were like, oh my God, are you seeing this? Measure QQ passed with almost 68% of the vote. I remember when it finally passed, everyone was like, yeah, like it felt... So good. Like, we were all so happy, but we were all, like, in our own homes. We were all separated, which kind of sucked. But um, I think that also just kind of, it, like, created a, like, a unique kind of feeling of satisfaction that, like, despite being in a pandemic, we were able to get this accomplished despite, like, being isolated and being alone or feeling alone. Like, we weren't. We weren't alone. We had our community. We had the organization. And we were all there and just celebrating. So, it felt really good. Obviously, we wish we were together, but it was it was an awesome moment. It was a really proud moment for everyone involved. And then, nothing. It's two years later, and the Alameda County Registrar of Voters still hasn't implemented Measure QQ. Or, for that matter, a similar measure that passed in Berkeley in 2016, Measure Y1. It's really frustrating, and it's really sad, and it's really disappointing. My colleague Carolyn Jones wrote about this for EdSource. Hi, Carolyn. Hi, Zadie. So, Carolyn, how did you hear about this story about the young people trying to get the vote for school board elections? Well, I remember it being on the ballot. I live in Alameda County, and I remember it being on the ballot in Oakland and then I in, in Berkeley in 2016. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I was kind of wondering, well, wait a second, I know that passed, <laughs> but here we are a few years later, and I don't see 16-year-olds marching to the polls. What's happening? And um, I reached out to some folks at an Oakland uh, youth nonprofit, who had worked with these young people. And then I talked to them themselves. And I, you know, I heard the whole story, how hard they worked to to get these things passed, and what sort of motivated them and drove them to do it kind of this fierce sense of activism and wanting to see some changes based a little bit on what's going on in their local cities, but then also nationwide, with some of the issues that have been brewing uh, since 2016, which is when Berkeley youth did this. And then why hasn't Alameda County Registrar of Voters implemented this measure and also the measure in Berkeley? The registrar said that this is actually a lot more complicated than it looks because you're going to have to have two separate voter rolls because the 16 and 17 year olds would only be able to vote in school board races, um, not state or national races or even other local races. And so you have to have two separate ballots, basically two separate voter rolls. And then... You know, of course, young people are only 16 and 17 for a very limited time, and then they become legal voting, you know, they become 18, and they would join the regular roles. 
And so you'd have to find kind of a seamless way for them to transition to the regular voter roll so they could vote on national elections and so forth. And then also in California, it's now legal for 16 and 17 year olds to pre-register to vote. So you have to somehow collect those young people who've pre-registered and add them to this new voter roll just for school board. And also you have to make the ballots available in many, many different languages. Uh, there has to be a system for these young people to vote, you know, where it's um, accessible for disabled people and so forth. So it's, and also, you know, I think they wanna do a lot of outreach about this too. The registrar said they wanna be really proactive about engaging with 16 and 17 year olds and getting them involved early in the civic voting process. So yes, it's more complicated than it looks. So it sounds like they are, they're not saying they're not going to do it, but that it's just taking a long time? Yes, exactly. They've hired consultants. They hired an attorney to make sure they're following all the rules. It, it is new. It's a new thing. Um, but, you know, other jurisdictions have done this around the country, and it has not, you know, there haven't been a lot of difficulties. Maryland, I think there's several towns in Maryland that have done this. Other states are looking at it. I believe Michigan is. So it's nothing new. And also suffrage movements have been around for, you know, more than 100 years in this country. So, you know, this notion of expanding voting access itself is not a new idea. It's been around forever. Right. I mean, when I heard about this, I thought about San Francisco because San Francisco about six years ago now voted to allow immigrants who are not yet U.S. citizens um, to be able to vote only in school board elections. And they implemented that and... I don't think they had any problems. I mean, if you were not a citizen, you you could only vote in the school board election. So it was a different, you know, a different voting role, a different voter role and different ballot. But it seems like it's not without precedent, basically. Yeah, the county registrar is facing a lot of criticism for the delays on this. I mean, these young people who have worked so hard and then youth advocates are saying, you know, these delays are just totally unacceptable because these young people who work so hard for this are now going off to college, they're turning 18, and they feel a deep sense of frustration and cynicism even about the process. Uh, there's a sense that, you know, the grownups are dragging their feet because, you know, for various reasons, and they feel like they really wanted to enact this so they could have a say in what is going on in their city and in their schools. And now they feel like that that is, is just not going to happen. When you spoke with the registrar, did they respond to some of that criticism? Yeah, they apologized. You know, they, they fully acknowledged that these delays are um, frustrating for many people. But they also reiterated that, you know, hey, it's just going to take as long as it's going to take. And they don't want to they don't want to mess it up, basically, and then have to go back and fix it. Uh, they want to make sure it's done right. And they, w- they did not give a deadline either. I think I asked repeatedly, well, is it going to be ready by 2023, 2024? And they, they wouldn't commit to a deadline. Wow. Has this kind of delay happened in other places? Not to this extent, as far as I know. Yeah, this this is unique. One of the youth advocates I talked to was Chuck Cora, who works at Vote 16, which is a nationwide organization that really advocates for youth voting and civic engagement. And he was saying that it's not unusual for these youth activism movements to kind of run out of gas or lose a little bit of momentum as the students graduate and go on to college and so forth. And new young people have to fill, fill their shoes 
And sometimes that momentum continues and sometimes it's kind of hard. And also issues themselves change. Politics changes. Politics changes all the time. So an issue that's you know of utmost importance in 2017, suddenly COVID strikes and people are thinking about other things. Um, and plus, you know, grownups, a lot of times don't take these youth movements very seriously. They think, oh, there go a bunch of teenagers again. Ishela Arista says it feels like the adults in charge of implementing this just aren't prioritizing it. You think that the people who are basically the pillars of our democracy or, you know, the behind the scenes pillars of our democracy would care about elections like it's their job to do the election stuff. And the voters, this is what they want, this is what we want. And I don't know, it's not being prioritized. And I'm sure it's, you know, because it's something very new, it's, it's not, it hasn't happened in a lot of other places, but it has happened and it is possible. And there are ways to get it done. Like I know there are, we're listening to these people talk about the different ways to get it done. And it just, that's, that's just what makes it frustrating is that it, it's very possible. It's just that it's young people. That's the only difference. And yeah, so it felt very adultisty type thing. And it's just, it's disappointing. It's sad. So Carolyn, tell me, um, even though these Oakland youth are waiting still for their measure to be implemented, there are young people in other cities that are trying to get similar measures on their ballots. Tell me about um, what's going on in Culver City. Yeah, so, so some high school students in Culver City, which is down in Los Angeles County, um, have been organizing for a long time now, months, maybe more than a year, to get something on the ballot in Culver City this fall, which will give young people, 16 and 17-year-olds, the right to vote in all local elections, not just school boards, so city council and local measures. And they're very, very excited about it. They worked really hard. They got the petitions. They went door to door. They're gathering endorsements. And they're working with other organizations. And so they're, they're very excited about it. Do you have anything else to add, Carolyn? Well, it's exciting. You know, one thing these young people all say, even in Berkeley and Oakland, where they work so hard to get this to happen, and it hasn't happened, they are not deterred. <laughs> they're disappointed. They're mad. They're a little bit jaded and cynical. But they are not stopping. I was really impressed personally by how they have just, they're going to keep fighting for this. And they are hopeful that, you know, the next generation of, of young people that come up will benefit from these things that they fought for. And I think one young person really put it to me well. She says, you know, we really learned that meaningful, lasting change, sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it doesn't even happen in a generation. But that does not stop them from fighting. Ishel says she is certain it will be implemented someday. It's sad, but I know we're going to keep working. We're not going to stop to, like, get this implemented, you know? There's so many people that care about this, and it's really the community that helps me, like, stay, like, in, like you know, not give up, not give up hope, because, you know, I know that it's going to live past my generation, past the people, you know, who are graduating this year, graduating next year, like, it it makes me really happy to think about my younger sister who's also who's in middle school right now who with luck like will get to benefit from this right that she'll be able to vote at 16 for school board members and um that's also like really amazing to me is that this is going to live past us forever hopefully <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, Getting to the Heart of California Schools, a production of EdSource. 
You can find Carolyn's story at edsource.org. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Ishel Arista and Carolyn Jones. Our CEO is Anne Baskis. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the Stewart Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join me next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode.